Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 76 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. PC Law by LexisNexis. For a free trial, go to www.pclaw.com slash radio. And Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. In our last podcast, we looked at social search, one of the hottest new topics in technology. We thought the only way to do something more current would be to look into our crystal balls. Tom, what are we covering today? Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're going to talk about new operating systems that we may see in 2012, Windows 8, Apple's new Mountain Lion. In our second segment, we'll revisit the topic of our last episode, and that was social search, as you mentioned. And we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start using the second that this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our first segment, and that's uh, the latest operating systems from Microsoft and Apple. Looks like we can expect some new updates to Windows and Mac operating systems sometime this year, we think. And more details have lately been released, especially about Apple's Mountain Lion. There are stories we see of public beta versions coming soon, but Dennis, is this, are these new operating systems something that get you excited? Well, you know, Tom, I know that I've probably bored you a couple of occasions talking about the sort of experience I had when I when I went to the rollout event for Windows 95 and what a life-changing event it was for <laughs> me and how it started my website. Never and boring. It made a lot of change in my lives. And, and I, I'm sure that you've heard that a couple of times. And so it, it sort of seems like everything's <laughs> been downhill since then. And, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, the operating systems are, frankly, they're operating systems. And and there hasn't really been much in the way that where you'd say, wow, this is a big change. It's all seemed pretty evolutionary. And, and sort of the biggest change in how we deal with computers is really on the mobile and, and tablet front, uh, which I think uh, really has an impact on, on the new operating systems. So in a way, operating systems are, as I said, they're operating systems. And they seem, they sort of feel like more like a, a dated concept, something more from the, from the 90s and something that we really start to take for for granted. Um, but but these are significant changes, and it's, it's been a while. I mean, it's been, what, almost three years for, for an update to Windows, right, Tom? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been three years since Windows 7 came out, which is interesting. It doesn't seem like it's been quite that long. You know, the way that I feel about operating systems is they are thing, something that I just don't really think about. There should be something that you don't have to think about. It should be something that just works. It just happens. It's you turn on the computer and you you might have issues with your applications, but the operating system should be something that just happens and is just there. Now, of course, um, of course, uh, you know Microsoft and Apple are building new features into upcoming operating systems that uh, I think you're going to want to use. But over time, these should be features that I think will just work, and you and you don't really associate them with the system after a while. Uh, I kind of wanted to get into talking about what some of the actual 
actual new features are. Um, and, and so let's maybe start with Windows, if that's okay with you, Dennis. I, let's let's talk about, uh, about Windows 8 and what we can expect from that. Now, I think one interesting thing to think about with, with Windows is that uh, most people out there are still using Windows XP uh, more than they are Windows 7. And I think the last survey that I saw was back in June of last year where Windows 7, the, the, the share was around 20%. And Windows XP was at about 60%. And I, I think that's probably reduced some since then. Uh, Microsoft now says that nearly a third of its business customers have moved to Windows 7. I don't know that, uh, I don't know that, that, that actually Microsoft wants everybody to upgrade to Windows 8. I think that they, 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 they think that the path to Windows 8 goes through Windows 7. And so those who are on Windows XP may still want and find themselves upgrading to, to Windows 7 before even going to 8. But that said, that's not anything to stop us from talking about uh, these new operating systems. So for me, anyway, what I think is the most interesting thing about the new Windows uh, operating system is the Metro user interface. And that user interface is designed, I think, squarely to bring its desktop platform closer to mobile. Uh, although, frankly, the mobile platform is really limited right now to its Windows phone, which doesn't have a very big share of the marketplace. But I think it has to do this. I think it, it needs to morph into sort of that mobile platform that is touch-enabled, that's portable, that's secure, um, that, that, that IT can tolerate, that they can handle, and that users will love just like they were used to loving their phone or their tablet device. Uh, you know, I think that uh, what's interesting about the Metro user interface is that you're now going to have a home screen that's actually your start menu. The start menu is rumored to be going away. It's going to have tiles on it that very similar to what you see on your uh, on your uh, your smartphone uh, that will take you to your browser, your games, your news feeds, all the applications you want on your home screen. Um, on a touch device, you can just touch that tile. On If you have your desktop, you're going to have to click it with a mouse. And that tiles that you have for news or weather or stocks, those are going to get updated uh, throughout the day. So they're, they're not just static tiles. They are dynamic, and they're going to keep uh, updating as, as you look at things. Uh, you can drag those icons around to resize them. You can delete icons you don't want or tiles you don't want from the home screen. You're also going to be able to search directly from the home screen. You can actually just start typing to find the apps, the applications, or, or type control F to find any file on your computer. You don't have to go and to find a search box anywhere. You can just do it directly from that home screen. One thing that I think you're going to start finding uh, in most apps and in, in the Windows operating system as well as Mountain Lion is a share menu. Just move your mouse to the bottom of the screen in any app and there will be a share button. And you'll see a bar with all the different apps that you can share that information with, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or email or any other applications that support sharing. What I think is not in Windows 8 is the start button, uh, if you believe reports. that You don't really need it anymore because your desktop is now the start button. I really think that, uh, and, and I think this is true with, with Mountain Lion as well, but I think with Windows 8, you are really moving to the appification of the desktop uh, to combine those desktop and mobile worlds. Uh, a couple other things to look at in Windows 8, and then I'm going to let Dennis talk for a little while about Windows and Mac, is a lock screen. It'll be just like your phone. Uh, you'll have a screen that shows the time, how many emails you have, 
other information. Uh, you'll get an app store, as you might expect. There need to be there needs to be apps to sell. Um, you can also sync data up to Windows Live. Windows Live is is the uh, Microsoft version of iCloud, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second. But you can sync your contacts, your photos, and even data within third party apps will sync up to uh, your Windows Live cloud data. Uh, there'll be a system wide spell checker for those of you who like spell checking. You won't just have to rely on a spell checker within a particular application. It will work in every application. And then a new kind of interesting security feature that I found uh, to be really compelling is something called picture login, where it shows you a picture. And in order to log into your computer, you have to swipe it a certain way on the picture. And uh, I think it represents an interesting way of looking at security. Dennis, did any of those uh, features grab you? Uh, how does that compare with what uh, my, uh, Apple's coming out with Mountain Lion? Well, you know, I, I think that you, you sort of have this sort of, yeah, okay, reaction to things. And and so I, I think that operating systems have become more evolutionary. So I sort of feel that you what you see is, you know, a, some t- enough changes in the user interface that make it feel like it's something new and help a lot of people and will drive some other people crazy. Sort of about enough change as people can stand. So you get this sort of incremental change that I think a lot of stuff, you know, under the hood that, that help in, in some ways that maybe people don't appreciate, make things run faster. I mean, the boot up times are going to be faster. A lot of focus on things like that. Uh, a little bit of the – there's something I like, this ribbon interface moving to Windows Explorer, uh, but a lot of people don't like the ribbon. So like I said, right. so, you know, some of these some of these changes, um, you know, the, the picture thing that you were talking about is really interesting. Um, it, you know, as people feel overwhelmed by the number of passwords they have. So, you know, this movement maybe to pictures away from alphanumeric passwords is, is something we may see more of. So, so I think you see a little bit of that. I, I Probably the thing people will appreciate is it looks like Windows – Windows 8 is designed to run on the same types of systems we're using now, so you don't have to have a big hardware upgrade. Um, and so, so I think I think that's one big thing. And and then uh, the speed of, of boot up and 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 things like that, where they're looking at, at some improvements. Um, whether that's compelling and whether you know, I, you see different uh, percentages out there in this in the survey this time. But I think there there's a sense that still there are more XP users in Windows Seven even at this point. And yep. um, you know, I don't I don't know people who've moved to Windows Seven are going to jump to Windows Eight that they'll see anything compelling. I don't know if the people on Windows XP are ever going to move at this point. Um, and I and I think it's not that Microsoft doesn't want to sell more Windows. I think they're sort of resigned to um, the people who sort of feel like, hey, the operating system is good enough and I'm comfortable with it. Um, so that's why I think that the, the, the changes in operating systems are really a lesser event. And, and the benefit we get from them is that it's sort of this all-in-one update of a bunch of security patches and updates and, and all of these things. And so you kind of improve your system and, and you get used to that. There's, there's certain sense in the Apple world that maybe they're going to a once-a-year uh, update of the operating system. Which I kind of like because I like newer stuff and I like, you know, installing the updates and, and, and being, uh, you know, real current with what I'm doing. And then, you know, the, with the Apple OSs, they've been in the $30 range. So maybe that's a $30 that you pay a year for, for you know, for updated op- operating system. Maybe that's, that's something we'll get used to. Um, 
So, so I think the Windows thing is, it would be interesting to see what happens because, uh, you, you saw how slow the reaction was to move to Windows 7. I, it could be even slower with, with Windows 8, but, but it is interesting that movement toward mobile, you know, echoing what's going on in the mobile world and also a big touch component in, in Windows 8. With Apple's Mountain Lion, I, similar, similar thing. What you see is there's some, if you use an iPhone or an iPad, there's, uh, some new changes coming up that are going to make the Mac operating system look a lot more like iPhones and iPads and, you know, some of these features, reminders and, and other things that we've now seen on the iPad and iPhone are coming to the Mac operating system. I expect we'll see some stuff under the hood. Um, I, the thing I like about, uh, the Lion operating system with Mac, the way it has changed the way you scroll up and down, I think that, uh, that's the that's the sort of subtle things you I think you see with these these OS upgrades where you, they're experimenting with some things that will change the way we interact with things to to make things um, more in sync with what we do in the mobile world, but sort of gradual changes in the interface so that we don't so we can get used to those changes. And our time did uh, you know? I mean, I think you're going to see Tom uh, and when you look at the. The uh, proposed changes in uh, or the expected changes in in Mountain Lion, don't you feel it's, it makes things more like an iPad or an iPhone? Well, I think it does. But what's interesting about it is it is that is that Mountain Lion doesn't actually support a touch screen. Um, from what I've read, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it it's going to rely on a touch pad that you can then have your multi touch and your gestures and you can all the things that you can usually do on an iPad, but you can't actually do it on a on on a Mac screen, which I think is is one big difference between Windows 8 and uh, and, and Mountain Lion is that Windows 8 is is designed to work on on a touchscreen where this is designed to be used with a touchpad instead. Now, I think part of the reason for this is I think Apple is consciously separating iOS from the Mac OS. I think that they are moving the Mac operating system closer to iOS, but I think that part of the reason for this is that that Apple doesn't, at least historically, Apple hasn't cared about the business community the same way that Microsoft has. Microsoft needs to care about the business community, and 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 so they don't need to worry as much as Microsoft does that a business user is going to want to use uh, a tablet in the same way that they use their desktop. So they're going to want desktop capabilities on a tablet, while Apple's users might not care as much about that. So I think it's I think there's some interesting similarities between the two. I think that the tight integration with the cloud products now the iCloud for Mac and SkyDrive or, or or Windows Live for Windows. Um, integrating with all the social networks now. I, I've you know one of the things that's interesting now about iOS five is I just downloaded a new a new Twitter app onto my iPhone and because I was using the iOS five, it automatically had all my Twitter credentials because it was integrated in and and I didn't have to set that app up. It set up set itself up for me and um, I thought it was very useful and I think that's something we can. And look forward to from both Windows 8 and Mountain Lion. Um, I think another thing that I've seen is that both apps are going to st- are both operating systems are going to start making use of the full screen app where you open things up and uh, for Windows users what I think is going to make it uh, make it difficult is that apps are going to open automatically in full screen without a menu across the top which I think is going to take some users by surprise that menu is still there but uh, they're changing the way things are, are working there and I think that will will be very interesting Dennis um, you know what's what do you think we need to tell lawyers about this 
this. What do lawyers need to know and understand about these operating systems and how is it going to affect them? Well, I think it's something to, to keep an eye on. I think that, you know, the, people probably correctly have the sense it sort of feels like an academic discussion at this point. I don't think you're going to see a lot of push, uh, you know, from IT departments or lawyers to upgrade to, to, to Windows 8. I suspect we'll see what we saw with Windows 7 that as, as lawyers buy their own new personal computers, uh, you'll, they'll start to use, they'll start to see the new operating systems and that this, the movement of the, the actual PC OS, um, you know, Windows 8 or, or the Mac OS and, and to make it more parallel with the mobile and the touch devices, I think it's going to be a big thing and it will become an expectation. And it will be, I think, again, the, the, the mobile devices that are going to drive the movement, you know, away from the, the older OSs because we're going to say, Hey, I, why is it so, why is it different uh, on my computer than what I'm used to? On the other devices, so like I said, it's you know at this point in time we're we're just speculating on what ultimately is going to come out. Um, I, I think there'll be a lot of performance improvements and, and other things like that that will make it. Uh, you know, typically an OS upgrade is 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 worth it. Usually, if you wait a little bit um, and then don't do it on the first day, uh, and especially if you're buying a new computer. So I don't think any of that changes. Um, as I said, it feels a little academic to to me as as well. But I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on lawyers this year. Maybe not even next year. But but this that uh, the way that mobile and the PC are coming together, that convergence, I think, is going to be a big deal over the next say three or four years. Well, I agree with you. I think that um, in the next. Uh in, 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 I think that there will be very little impact this year on that. Uh, for people who are who are thinking about upgrading to Windows 8, I always recommend to wait for the at least the first release candidate. So after after it's been released, wait for them to iron the bugs out, figure out what all the bugs are, and and to release a what they call a release candidate after that, and and wait until then if you're going to upgrade. You know, if you have to buy a computer that's pre-installed with with Windows 8, then then that's what you get, and and you need to you need to uh, to, to start working on it and, and learning how to use it. I think that we may have more people using it next year if people are buying new computers and they come pre-installed with, with Windows 8. Before we move on to our next segment, let's uh, take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors, Clio and PC Law by LexisNexis. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in less than in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? 
Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to PCLaw.com slash radio. That's PCLaw.com slash radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we revisit our topic from the last episode, social search. Tom, did we miss anything when we talked about social search last week? You know, I don't I don't think we really missed anything. I, I was reading a survey since we recorded it where a majority of the people who were surveyed felt uncomfortable with personalized search results, which is a little unusual for me. It doesn't make me feel completely uncomfortable when I read that. But but a lot of people agreed with the statement. They, they made this statement in the survey where it said everyone should see the same results when searching the same keyword. Uh, and that was apparently felt by a, a large majority of the people who were surveyed that everyone sees the same results. I, I don't think I agree with that because I don't think anybody comes into a search with the same agenda or the same content. So seeing the same thing each time might result in a successful search for some people, but a but a miserable search for others. So I I, I don't know that I agree with the results of that of, of that survey. I, I have also been interested though in the in the number of times I've heard the use of a, of a new search engine, or I'll say relatively new because I've been talking about it for at least six to eight months, called a DuckDuckGo. It's a search engine that prides itself on not collecting or sharing any of your personal information. Uh, so there's no social search that's part of all of that. And I think that's very attractive to a lot of people who are leery about the Google search plus your world and, and, and how it collects information and how it displays it for you. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to this search engine over the coming year and and whether it gets more usage as a result of what Google has done. Dennis? Well, I, I think that that is a valid point that people have. And I, I think it is unnerving in a lot of ways if you're saying, hey, I did a search on that and I didn't find, I didn't see that in the results and, and say, I'm talking to you. And I said, look, I'm running the same search you are and I'm seeing different things in Google. I think that's unnerving to people because I think there was that sense always that if I did a search, I'm going to get the same results that you get. The other thing I, I sort of have noticed, and I don't know whether this is tied to social search, but I'm really starting to see more that when I've done a series of searches, and I, I think last last episode I said I was looking at speakers and headphones recently, um, how when I'm in Google Reader, it looks like some of the ads that show up in, in some of the feed items are related to things that I've I've done a lot of searching on recently and and that that is actually a little unnerving although it's it's helpful but it it's sort of striking recently how often I've 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 seen that happen so I I think to go back to what we talked about last week I think we're going to see more of this there's certainly a lot of a, a lot of things driving us toward social search but but I think I think that 
you know, lack of a common uh, web experience, whether it be search and other ways in, in, in the web and user interface, uh, operating systems, we, as we alluded to before, I think is going to be unnerving to people because as our experiences on the Internet get so personalized, uh, we're going to lose some of that commonality that we've taken for granted all these years. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I, I agree with you about the unnerving part, but I really don't see that that's going to be changing. You know, if 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 people like uh, uh, like um, if, if the sites like Facebook and, and Google have their way, they, they want you sharing everything with everybody. And so I, I think it's we're, we're headed towards the days of more sharing than less sharing. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how this all works out with the consumer. Well, now it's time for our parting shots at One Tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. You know, I want to give a pitch for iTunes University. It's been around for a while, but they recently pushed out an iPhone and iPad app and have really done some nice things with it. iTunes University is within iTunes, and it's a place where you can actually go and download course materials for uh, for different courses that are being taught. And I'm looking at the iTunes University page right now. They have new courses. There's one on statistics, 110, probability, what is religion, uh, communicating through music, managing your online identity, uh, machine learning. I downloaded an entire set, a semester's worth of lectures on the Civil War. I'm a big history freak, and I uh, downloaded a whole set of lectures that were taught at, I believe, Yale uh, University um, by one of their professors a year or two ago on the Civil War, and I've been making my way slowly through them, and it's fantastic. It's very, very uh, interesting to listen to, and so if you ever wanted to, to to to, to take some courses without actually having to go back to school or sign up or pay for anything, then give uh, iTunes U a try. And I have a, a learning thing as well. Tom, we talked recently about Bill Taylor's uh, Harvard Business Review post, Are You Learning As Fast As The World Is Changing? And uh, so there's academic courses, of course, but a lot, of, a lot of times lawyers need to get up to speed on things. And, and one big thing that lawyers uh, want to get up to speed on is, is e-discovery. And and uh, one of our sister podcasts on the Legal Talk Network, The Digital Detectives with uh, Sharon Nelson and John Simic, uh, had a recent episode called The Best Resources for Staying Current in E-Discovery. Yep. Um, our friend Neil Squalante of Techno Lawyer was the guest, and he just went through a great set of, of resources, online resources that people can use to keep current on e-discovery. And he also did a great job of saying, this is good if you're interested in case law. This is good if you're interested in basics. And and just a really good uh, set of, of resources uh, and a great podcast. Anybody who's, who's involved in e-discovery or wants to be, this is 30 minutes of your time that you, you can't spend better in, in my point of view. I totally agree. As someone who uh, is regularly talking to lawyers about the importance of learning more about e-discovery, I think it's a it's a good podcast to listen to to get the basics on where to go and uh, get the information you need. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or follow us at tkmreport on Twitter. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Whatever OS you choose, make sure this podcast is on it. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.